0: Welcome to RC Heli Nation version 2.0. I am Nick, and this is episode number 159-er. Uh, unfortunately, Dan and Jesse could not make it with us here, so I have uh, my good buddy, J-Man. Justin, what's up, dude? What's going on, man? Did I hear a Niner in there? Yeah, oh yeah. Foxtrot Niner, Echo, Echo, Bravo. Are we on Charlie. a CB or uh you know, we with me, we're on whatever I'm on at the moment, and you just you just gotta roll
1: with it. Yeah, the the intro was not Dan like; it was very uniquely
0: Nick. That's that's how I roll. I've been called way worse just this week, as a matter of fact. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah so we're well, missing
1: Dan and Jesse.
0: Yeah, Dan had a last minute kind of a family emergency. Uh, so we wish him and his family the best absolutely uh, Jesse is actually Jesse's actually not that far down the road for me he's home for the weekend but uh as always you know whenever he comes home from school it's bombarded by stretching of you know what little time he has has to get stretched among everyone else so he's taking the he's taking the night off so dude it is it's like. The Nick and Justin Ramble show. Dude,
1: seriously, <laughs> we are gonna give Dan a hard time with the edit this weekend. Absolutely. And I the think- listeners, you guys, I don't know, you're in for something. I don't know what it is yet, but with the two of us running unchecked by Dan and the moral compass, who knows what's gonna happen?
0: You know, <laughs> that's pretty bad too. You know, it's funny uh you and i were sitting there well, i think yeah last night we are both working on our helis and, and it was w- way late like w- late past late oh and- really
1: late dude i looked down at the phone and it's like three hours and 43 minutes elapsed <laughs> and for a and- second there i had to ask myself if i was like a teen girl in high
0: school it it, it kind of felt like that i mean it it really did because basically we sat there for three hours and laughed and
1: (laughs) talked shit (laughs) yep while wrenching on helis now there was some silence in there oh yeah you could tell like you you'd start saying something and then the other person would be like yeah 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 Uh uh-huh and you could (laughs) tell their focus is trailing off and you just let it go you hear some clinking and you know banging in the background, and then they pop back in with a new topic because yep. you finished
0: whatever it was you were doing. Yeah, that's funny. That's it's good times though. We, I think I think the listeners don't really grasp. Um, and you know, th- there were some comments about like so you were talking about me and Dan doing the little you know shooting the quad thing. Mm-hmm. So when are you guys gonna do it? It's like I don't think people realize. You know, we really. Don't get to see each other hardly at all in oh, the grand no, scheme of things. I see you in person maybe a dozen times a year, yep, maybe, and Dan maybe a half dozen times a year, yep, about a half dozen times
1: it's just, Jesse and you are a little bit closer because when he comes back from school, you guys fly together, yeah, yeah, for sure for yeah, sure I only see Jesse and Dan. Pretty much at the fun flies that we all go to.
0: hmm. That's it. So I guess this is our, you know, th- that's probably why the show works so well is because, uh, you know, we are such good friends and we don't get to see each other. So it's kind of like our, our BS time, our day out at the field. We just don't have a field. Yeah. Think of it as us sitting there on the telephone talking
1: to each other, except we're recording it. Yeah. Yep. Which usually
0: gets us in trouble. It does. Ah, well. So, please tell me. Please don't. If you make me like talk about everything that I did, and you tell me that you didn't fly, I am going to be just beyond disappointed. Yeah. Well, I've got bad news.
1: Uh oh. I flew the shit out of my helis this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, I got out last weekend, and I got out today on my day off. I'm going to start with numbers here because I'm proud. Now, for you guys, this is is moderate at best, right? For you and Jesse and even Dan nowadays. But I got 16 flights in this week. Whoa. (laughs) I am at 328. Very nice. Oh, yeah. No, wait a minute. That's 18 flights. See, I can't even do my math. Last week was a no fly. I was still
0: at 310 when we recorded. I'm at 328. twenty eight. Gotta love it. So tell me, how was it? Was it everything that you would hope for? Oh, yeah. This I needed this week, this heli week, right? I went
1: out on Sunday. Weather. Now, here's the deal. The weather is pretty much winter now. Yes, I mean, it rains on and off while I'm at the field. You got to do that quick scramble where you're like, oh, shit, throttle, hold, bring it in, run back to the car, toss everything important in the back and then stand underneath the, uh, you know, the little uh, door on the back of the vehicle so that you don't get wet. And then when it stops, bring everything else back out. So I went out last Sunday and last Sunday I decided that I was not going to do any speeding. I was only gonna do 3D, so I brought my Goblin 770, and man, it was therapeutic. Not yes, only the 3D. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Not you remember only, how? I I I do. Yeah. You know, the bottom of your collective also is used for pitch, not yeah. just arming the <laughs> speed like, controller. Wait
1: a minute.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh hi. There's how another are you? half
1: Mr.
2: a Negative gimbal pitch? there. <laughs>
1: So uh, it, it's uh it 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 was fun. I did remember how and it's interesting that you mentioned that because when I get back to it, I don't I don't ever feel like I missed it like it had been a couple of weeks since I'd flown 3D and mm-hmm. it feels natural right back on the on the saddle. No shakiness in the fingers, no nervousness, just go out and have fun. And what nice. I did was uh, swap my goblin 770 from 12s to 14s now i did it at the field because i wanted to do immediate back-to-back flight comparisons so i went out and flew it on 12s came back to the bench redid the esc programming plugged a set of 14s packs in went out and flew it again and it is a night and day difference Really? It, it, now, let's be fair here. I didn't do a pinion swap. So,
2: <laughs>
1: what? the night and day difference probably has something to do with the fact that I just added another eight ish volts to the setup and I was probably flying it at like 1950. <laughs> but dude.
0: damn it, dude, it was fun. <laughs> that, uh, I, uh, 1950.
1: On, on an 750 threes, yeah on <laughs> 753s is
0: uh it's just it's almost indescribable it is so much fun because it's so freaking the blades are so loud mm-hmm. and in and their it, edges too dude so they're even louder oh yeah it, it's just a it is an experience that i think everyone needs to have because it's just flat out fun
1: It absolutely is. And so now I didn't do everything up at that high head speed because it's on a Scorpion 160 ESC. It's got active freewheeling so I can drop the throttle back. And I did. And even flying it back at, you know, the 16, 1700 RPM range, it felt a lot more powerful. The 12 S, you know, I just think that the 12 S, especially my 12 S packs, which Are retired from speed right to the 3d heli they're they're tired and the 12s system trying to swing those big 753s on a 13 pound heli i just it doesn't it doesn't get the job done well enough
0: it's really working it yeah i mean it is you have to have top-notch packs i mean it, it can work but you just it's i think it's really hard on packs it, it absolutely is. I mean, you're pulling big currents on,
1: and I, I mean, I don't fly hard. I don't fly smack. I fly smooth stuff. But still, you, you think about how much extra weight you're swinging around on the head. Each of those 750 blades weigh like, I want to say like 250 or so grams. So it's a lot heavier than your your typical 3D 700 size blade. And then they're a lot wider cord, 65 or so, 68 millimeters. It just, it it puts a lot more stress on it. And I was starting to think that it was either my ESC or my motor, the, the Scorpion 4530 450, that was just not getting the job done. So I said, you know what, before I go and change out an ESC, change out a motor, I want to try it on 14S and see how it goes. And it was everything I had hoped for and more. Nice. Had a blast. Now, also last Sunday, I got an opportunity to try out a new heli. You talked about at the last show, Nick, that you traded Dan your blade for your Goblin 500. Yep. And you and I have been talking back and forth a lot about the whole smaller heli thing. In fact, a couple of phone calls we had last week, you had almost convinced me that I need a 500 class heli. Well, went out to the field on Sunday again. My buddy Rex has a Gowie X5. And I was talking to him, you know, kind of taking a look at it on the bench, asking him what he thought. And he's like, dude, just fly it. Go, you know, put a flight on it and see how it goes. So I went out there flew it at 2350 which i understand now i'm I'm not up on the whole 500 millimeter blade heli thing so i kind of feel like most people fly it faster than that oh yeah but at 2350 the thing was a freaking rocket ship and what was most striking to me was I'm used to flying big helis, okay? It's always 700 or higher. For 3D, I don't even own a 700 anymore. My only 3D heli is the Goblin 770. And even on 14S, that 13 pounds has a very unique feel to it on the sticks. Yep. It's not, I don't want to call it laggy or slow, because when you put the, the pitch to it, it moves. It really does. But you can feel the inertia in the heli. It it feels like it, it requires more to get it accelerated into a maneuver it's or dampened. through a transition. It's like it's dampened. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I go and put the X5 up there and dude, it's instantaneous. It's like it's almost telepathic. You think about what to do, and the heli's already halfway across the sky. <laughs> so I'm sitting there flying the crap out of Rex's heli, just having a blast. I mean, lots of fun. And brought it back down, thanked him for it, pondered it a little bit. And what I think I realized is that was that was great. I probably would have fun with it if I got one. The problem is I did don't think I would fly it any different than I fly my bigger helis. It's not a heli that you can fly. Well, for my style of 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 flying, it's not a heli that I feel like I would fly in a smaller box because it's so fast and fun to throw around. Why shouldn't I fly it big? And yeah,
0: that's that's
1: fair. So that's why I don't think the 500 size makes sense. I mean, if I'm going to go small, it's got to be like a 450. And even then, I'm not convinced.
0: Yeah, it's—I don't know. We'll see. I've yet to fly mine, but yeah, I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting your report on the Goblin Flyer.
1: Just when you thought that the guys at Soko Heli Tools had pushed setup methodology to the absolute state of the art, they come out with yet another innovation. In combination with their Soko Helical, which fits all sizes and all brands of helis, they've recently announced the Soko Heli Tools mobile app. This app greatly simplifies your setup by completely eliminating the need for a level working surface or main shaft. Available in stores soon for Android and Apple devices, this new mobile software will do everything that your original Soko kit did but with the added benefit of all measurements, calculations, and directions in one easy-to-use app. When you're ready to kick it up a notch with your heli setup, visit the SoCo team at www.soco-heli-tools.com and check it out.
2: SoCo Heli Tools, Next Generation Setup.
1: So that that was Sunday. The rest of the week, I did what I did with my Goblin Speed the previous week, which was break down and do maintenance on the Goblin 770. And I had a little shock uh, in for me on this one. So last time we did the Goblin Speed maintenance, I talked about how I was absolutely astounded at how well the parts had worn. You know, over that hundred plus flights, high head speed, high load, and I figured, wow, if the seven, if the seven hundred speed is not wearing, then the seven seventy probably shouldn't see anything either. Eh, wrong.
0: <laughs> what dude are you
1: wrong? This thing, I mean, the the ball, the Heim joint ball on my swash plate has wear marks on it, like starting to get, like, burnished with grooves, the the head bearings were worn, the main shaft bearings were worn, and my metal-to-metal metal main gear, you know how you can do the upgrade to do a metal main gear against yeah, a metal yeah. pinion? Wow. That metal pinion, and I took some photos and showed, I posted it on Facebook for Chris Treby and a couple of other people, because he was saying he was just going to install a new set of metal gears on his I would say, and I'll go and measure the actual dimension, but I would say that on the 19 tooth hardened pinion, the width of the tooth tip is reduced by about 20% just from the metal to metal wear. So, I mean, and that was, that's like 140 or 150 flights. So now I got to go and buy at least a new metal pinion. And I'm thinking I might want to just buy a new metal gear because it's worn, too.
0: Yeah, you got I would. I mean, in my opinion, you do them as a pair. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because the metal main gear already has a wear pattern in it. Mm -hmm. And so now I go and stick a new pinion in there with the old main gear and the new pinion is going to wear rapidly because of the pattern on the main gear.
0: Could be really noisy, too. Until it, till it's seated all the way in to match the same, the same wear pattern exactly. Now, and it's not cheap to replace those. It's a sixty dollars set. Well, but does okay? Do you need the metal one on the seven seventy? Absolutely. On the seven seventy, you do.
1: Okay. Because people were blowing up plastic gears
2: before uh, they started putting
1: the metal stuff on there. So that was an upgrade that I did straight out of the box. I never even flew it on plastic. And it's worthwhile. I mean, you know, I had been using wet lubricant for the previous hundred or so flights. And as we've talked about before, that gathers a lot of gunk, right? It gathers dirt and dust from the oh, air. Jeez, yeah. That gets stuck in the gear. It wears the gear. The gear metal now starts producing shavings that gets even gunkier, which increases the friction, which increases the wear, which I mean, it's it's a vicious, vicious cycle. So I'm going to dry lube, like I had said before, and we'll see whether the next hundred or so flights wears it better.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really interested. And, you know, I think I asked you this question, but I I, know enough, we probably got sidetracked. What is your opinion on like the dry lube on plastic gears? Like say torque tube gears or auto drive gears. I I'm using it on
1: all of my gears. Really? Yep. I went I just did the TDR earlier in the week. Took the whole gear train apart, cleaned it cuz I had started using wet lube on that and did a whole dry lube on that on both both stages plastic gears on the metal-to-plastic crown gear for the torque tube drive up in the airframe, and then the metal-to-plastic bevel gear drive on the tail case. Seems to work mm. perfectly fine. And, and the nice and, thing, again, about the dry lube is that it doesn't blast crap all over.
0: So, you know, I think I had asked you this question, but I I don't know. We probably got, got off on another topic. Will that stuff work, like, on you know plastic and delrin gears like torque tube drive gears or auto drive gears where you don't have a metal counterpart oh absolutely dude i i just recently well earlier
1: this week actually took apart the the drivetrain on the tdr cleaned it up because i had been using wet lube on it before and relubed it with the the triflow dry and it was uh, both stages of the plastic gears on the main drive the metal, to plastic on the torque tube on the front in the airframe and at the tail case. And it seems to work perfectly fine. You know, mm-hmm. the, the 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 nice thing about it is that it goes on clean. It doesn't splatter all over the place when the gears run once it dries, right? It goes on wet and you got to give it some time so you don't use it if you're in a hurry. It has to sit at least at, at my temperature and humidity level here in Seattle it's gotta sit for I don't know, three or four hours. Oh, okay. And it forms sort of like a thick So do it the night before you're going flying. Yeah. Do it the night before. Yeah. Or the morning of if you're gonna do uh, you know, an afternoon thing. But what, yeah, uh, I would I'm using it on plastic, I wouldn't hesitate.
0: What brand is it? It's Triflow. Um, oh, so it's Triflow. It's called Triflow Dry Fluid? Yeah, uh no, it's called TriFlow PTFE
1: dry lubricant. It it comes in the same little black bottle that the regular wet triflow comes in. It's just called dry. And you shake it and it's got it, it, it sort of separates out. The solids, which is like a wax, separates out, so you gotta shake it really good to mix it in with the with the volatile, like the liquid that evaporates off. And then when you pour, you know, squirt it on your gear, it comes out kind of like a yellowish tan, wet oil. It's hmm. really, really easy it, to. I
0: wonder to use. if it's the same stuff as like that. What's that brand? There's a brand that the guys over. I want to say it in Europe. The heck is it? It's dry,
1: dry, dry fluid? fluids. Yeah, dry. If fluid. it's like same concept. It's the same concept. I don't know what the chemical makeup of that stuff is, but they swear by it. I'll tell you why I haven't gone dry fluid yet. Not because I don't believe it's awesome, dry fluid, the brand, to be clear, but because it's like $20 for two ounces. Oh. And I got my Triflow dry lubricant from Ken at Lower Heli for like. Six ninety nine dollars <laughs> for like, oh. a, you know, one of those big regular tri flow sized bottles.
0: Yeah, a l- little different. Yeah. Hmm. So you should give it a try. I think you'll I like it have a lot. to. I might have to because I'm, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm putting the flights in big time. And, and I have in the past wore through a set of torque tube gears, like actually wore them out yep. from flight count. Yeah. So. well, And
1: and it, I think it's a bigger problem on the newer plastics that people are using in torque tube gears because they are they're harder plastic. They're more brittle. They're not as soft yeah. as like a Delrin. The Delrin is going to had... give and smear before
0: it actually generates particles. I haven't had a problem uh, with the E700s. I would just like to be preventative. But man, I had a set of torque tube gears on the T-Rex. Oh geez, that I sharpen those things to like razors. You can wear the T Rex gears out. I've heard that. I've seen it on
1: mine. What what's the gear material on the the E seven
0: hundred torque tube gears? Is it just like white delrin? Yeah, that's. I mean, it looks like nylon nylon or something. Normal white torque tube gear material. Yep, but it's it's also helical. Oh yeah, well that definitely makes a difference. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Well, after after all that wrenching, you know, I came into my Friday off this week, started like a normal Friday off on uh, on a bad weather day, raining promise of the sun never happened. So you just got to cut your losses and go to the field eventually. But before that, I uh, did a little bit of wrenching. Uh, I have I have now gotten the xnova 4535 525 motor which i was going to put in the diablo speed still am going to put in the diablo speed but as i'm taking my time on the diablo speed because i'm doing like the you know shortening the servo wires making sure everything's laid out really good and given how complex of a design it is i want to be familiar with it so i'm taking stuff apart and making sure i understand how everything goes all the quirks and whatnot Anyway, long story short, I decided to put the X-Nova on the Goblin Speed and, and fly it on 12S. And that's what I did all today. Back-to-back speed flying with the Goblin Speed, uh, Cosmic 200, not the cool anymore because that's going in the Diablo, but uh, the, the new Cosmic 200. And dude, I love that freaking helicopter. It had been about a month and a half or two since I'd flown it. And the last time I flew it, I flew it in my custom fuselage, which I love. But getting it back down to the lighter weight stock version and putting this motor in there, it was amazing. It pulls just as hard, if not harder, than any other motor that I've put in that now. And I've flown it on like three or four motors now. Across 12 and 14s. And get this, man, they are, it's not freaking hype. I kept hearing about, oh, X Nova runs really cool. I'm like, come on. When you're pushing 180 or 200 amps through any motor, it's going to warm up, right? Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh. 135 degrees was the hottest this thing got.
2: After Whoa. three
1: minutes of full throttle, 15 degrees of pitch, 2600 RPM. 180 to 200 amp currents i was pushing continuous six to seven thousand watts through this motor comes down at 135 and the cosmic was at like 99 Jeez. I, wow. I was blown away i couldn't believe it and i i think it's you know It's got to have something to do with the fan design. It's not, uh, you know how most motors have the little holes at the top of the can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They these holes have like a taper to them and they go down to like smaller little nozzle looking holes where you can't actually see the top bearing and the wires through through the top of the can. And when that thing spins up, it makes like a cool jet engine type sound. So I think that's the
0: fan doing its magic. You know, I always kind of wondered like why we've got that thing spinning up there gazillion miles an hour. And they, you know, all of the motors are designed with those, you know, basically holes perpendicular to the main shaft at the top. Why not make them in some sort of a scooping type fashion, you know, with a little kind of downward draft to them as they go in. And I mean, you and I kind of discussed that the only thing that I can think of reasoning wise, why you wouldn't would just be the additional machining cost. I think that's probably what it is. I mean, they, they
1: try to make these reasonably easy to manufacture. And to control the quality on at least that's what I would want to do if I was, you know, building and selling motors. And so, you know, when you start getting into that really complex geometry, you need multiple additional axes on the CNC mill and it takes more machine time, which costs more money and more tooling. And uh, so, uh, yes, I think people could do that. I think Xnova has. Gone in that direction because it seems to be the most effective fan I've ever experienced on a motor mm-hmm wow but I you know i it really makes me want to try a pyro now a contronic because I hear the same thing about those powerful as hell run super cool
0: but I don't know Ooh. if I'm gonna
1: pull the trigger on it yet
0: that's a Jeez, that's another chunk. Yeah. Although you're still, aren't you still one motor? Sh- well, you're not really one motor shy, are you? Yeah, I am. Except oh, really? only until oh, next God. Tuesday, because oh, I bought another motor. That's what. That's what Justin week, needs. Dude. Yeah, another motor. That's what you need.
1: I got. I was. I was. Uh. I was creeping on eBay and i came ebay ebay dude ebay you, you see so it's yeah seriously you you don't understand like the the first sale forums they're an addiction for me even when i don't want to or don't need to buy anything i just go and look to just see what's out there
0: you know I, you know that's may fair dude you have i've gotten so many random texts okay check this out i don't have any need for it whatsoever but it's such a good deal i feel like i need to buy it
1: yes dude it's it's like the thrill of the hunt you know (laughs) what i mean so (laughs) i i um i was creeping on ebay and i found this pretty much like new in box scorpion motor it had like 15 or 20 flights on it Pristine condition from a dude down in Arizona. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's someone that we actually know from the forums or I've talked to before, but he was selling a Scorpion HK3 5035 500. Holy big boy. Yeah. And it was one of those, you know, buy it now for this price or make an offer. And I made an offer and he accepted it. So I got that motor for 175 shipped. Now, it's a stranded motor. It's not it's not single wire solid core. But what I think I'm going to do is fly it stock just to, you know, get a get a good comparison on the on the stock stranded version. And then I am going to do a custom rewind on it. Probably send it out.
0: You send it to Ralph.
1: No, I think I'm gonna send it to Holly at Slow Fa- slow fly world. He's the guy that does all the custom hand winds on the competition pyro motors for Contronic. Oh, okay. Does Ralph do custom wind? He does, but I you know, I don't know if he does it as a service anymore. I think oh, okay. that's like a big part of his hobby. So he does it a lot for, you know, pro pilots or uh for speed pilots over in Europe who want to test some stuff out but uh i I don't think you can pay him to do it Oh, okay yeah wow fifty thirty five man it's a chunk. it weighs seven hundred and twenty five grams over a pound yeah, it'll be
0: perfect, perfect to keep the c g nose forward. And it will if you decide uh, that you're not going to put it in the heli. It will be perfect for keeping your ten by ten canopy from blowing away. Yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> pop a little hole in the shaft. Yeah, put, just put, hang a, it. put like a you know a carabiner on that there. And there tie you go. It
0: Down. Oh man! Wow you you are you have a motor addiction.
1: I do. I absolutely have a motor addiction. I'm going to start trying to wind my own. Oh, really? Yeah, man. I'm yeah, getting dude, all set I up. Haven't I've got, heard it. It. I I got a bench set up now to test motor KV. Yes. I love fire stories. Yes. Well, I haven't burned anything down yet. Yeah. But check yes, it out. because you I, haven't
0: rewound one yet.
1: I did clock my <laughs> 450 KV motor at 490 KV.
0: Oh, that's Which close. is kind of <laughs> concerning because that's about opinion, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yes, yes it is. Coming from the guy who puts the wrong opinions on, yeah. a.k.a. me. You know a little bit about that. I know a little bit about the damage that I can do. Luckily, it's all about going
1: fast, and so I'll take as much KP as I can get.
0: <laughs>
1: wow. Hmm i think i'm gonna let you go man because i still do have more stuff but if i keep talking it'll be all night it'll be the
0: justin show that's right (laughs) so what have you been up to with the crazy schedules that we run around here having products that can be both technical and convenient is an absolute must the rev electrics dual power lab fits that bill perfectly With the extensive live data graphing capabilities that the Dual Power Lab offers, I'm never left with a lack of charging and battery information. Not to mention, being able to crank out 40 amps per channel leaves me with charge times that even I can't keep up with. So quit wasting precious time waiting for your packs to be done charging. Pick up a Dual Power Lab to step up your charging game.
2: Thanks Nick. For more information, log on to www.revolectrics, that's R-E-V-O-E-L-E-C-T-R-I-X.com, then click on the Revo USA store.
0: Uh, I did get some flying in. I flew a lot, a lot, a lot, and a lot. Last really weekend. more than i got in more more than 18 flights um i think you might have me there i'm i'm sitting at 538 right now damn it yeah i'm i'm really pushing i'm trying man it, it was well, okay hold on hold on we
1: got to yep. we got to do a prediction here what what do you think realistically you're going to get to by the end of the year your goal was 800
0: yeah, I think 700. That's uh, still not we, bad. I mean, we did the math on it, man, and it would be like it was something stupid per week. Yeah, it's like 30 or 40 flights a yeah, week. Yeah, and that's just not going to happen. I mean, what? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'm going to fly every chance that I can, but our weather is, I mean, like last Sunday when I went out and flew, beautiful day nary a cloud in the sky, and it was mm, 25 miles an hour. <laughs> oh. Luckily, it was at my back, and so, yes, Tim, I don't mind flying in the wind <laughs> because I went out there and put another 10 flights in in that day, uh, in the wind. But let me tell you, those light raptors just get chucked all over over the place. Yeah. Now you're wishing you had like a 12 and a half pound heli. Yeah. It, it was <laughs> like, oh man, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, But you know, it's really good practice when I'm, I'm still, I haven't hit the SIM. So therefore I don't really have anything new to work on. So I'm just trying to go, God, I am determined to get these right rudder paral flips down like consistent. And control them and really learn them, and so I've been just going out there and and boy, you know I'm still kind of getting used to the 14 degrees. So you combine that with a really windy day, and it's just like you are chasing them all over the sky, uh, and they get out of shape really easy. But you know, I mean, are it was you able good to practice. string them together? yet? Oh yeah, yeah. I can string them together, and I can almost keep them going you know as doubles or triples indefinitely almost but just They're not just in a tiny box no i can get through the first two or three you know somewhat somewhat centralized uh and then they start to get out of shape but you know Ugh. so it and i'm forcing myself not to just work on reversals because, like, if I just did reversals, I would only have to do one and then reverse it into the other direction, do another one, and so forth. And I don't, you know, that's like saying, oh, I can do right rudder pirouettes." Yeah, okay, I can, but I can't control them. But only one or two at a time. Yeah, exactly. And that's not being able to really do a maneuver, in my opinion, anyway. So, yeah, it was, it was good flying, though. I mean, you know, hey, better than nothing. At 25 uh, I don't mile
1: think... an hour, though, for wind and a clear day this time of year, it was probably pretty chilly. No. No? Dude, do you remember that day? It hit like 70 degrees. Yeah, I do remember it hit like 70 degrees early in the day, and then when I went out to the field, it was raining on and off.
0: No, no. I. So your weather, it was coming north, because I got out there about noon, and it was 70 degrees. And windy as heck, but but just beautiful. And then when I left, it just started to sprinkle when I left. And that's why I left, because I was going to keep flying. Were you and the I only fl- one at the field? Of course, every time. Man.
1: I, I yep. do love hanging out with my buddies, but I was the only one at the field today,
0: and it felt good to just bang out flights. Yeah. It's amazing how many more you can get in. I figured out now, if I'm, I can get in a flight dead on every 12 minutes. Like, no matter what. Every 12 minutes, I can get a flight in. See, that feels a little slow. How many packs
1: do you have between those two helis?
0: Well, I have three. I mean, I'm talking like no matter what. So, slowest case scenario... I can get in one every twelve. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean I could do it a little different, but it would be a little more plug and unplug and plug and unplug in. I can spit out a, a stick pack in about twelve, right at twelve minutes. Um, yeah, right at like the twelve minute mark on the dual power lab with with my generator and still have a little bit left over. Mm -hmm. I can throw another stick pack on at 10 amps on the other side, you know, and let it take a while, you know, maybe it'll probably take like an hour or so to do that one. And, And that will get that one back in the rotation, but it's kind of one of those where I don't worry about it. Right, That still gives me time to plug in, unplug, you know, make a couple settings, so... Yeah, and then Tuesday, Tuesday was like Christmas at my house, man. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I had the the Grabner show up and the Goblin Five Hundred show up, which I am surprised. I have to give Dan credit. I was expecting, and I, I don't mean to throw him under the bus. I was expecting the Goblin Five Hundred to be kind of beat on, but you know. It really was not. He took really good care
1: of that heli. Well, yeah. I mean, it only fell off the wall of his trailer once.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right? I mean, it's... No, it it looks great. He did a great job on the wiring, which... (laughs) Oh, this was topic of, of last night's discussion. Dan, I am going to take your Shugu privileges away (laughs)
1: <laughs> I heard all about this one.
0: So, you know, application on the flybarless system was actually was flawless. Nice small beat down the edge of the mm-hmm. connectors. I'm like, wow, not bad. Maybe a tad more than I would have used, but again, not that bad. We get to the receiver. I would say above average application on the servo leads going into the mm-hmm. receiver. And then I come to this extension off the throttle. And I'm like, okay, I give it a little tug. Wow, this this sucker's kind of tight. Whew, okay. Give it a tug a little bit more. It's like, holy crud, this thing is really together. So now I've got it with two, like, needle-nose pliers. And it won't budge. Oh, no. And then just a little teeny bit. I'm like, what is that? Oh, no, wait a minute. Oh no, he didn't. So then I slide an X Acto knife down the inside. Yep. Sure enough. Shoe on the inside. So I basically had to peel it open like a banana. <laughs> oh, and I really think that he dipped the end of the surfbook <laughs> lead in the shoku and then plugged hey, it Dan,
1: in. Uh Shuku is an electrical insulator, okay? (laughs) (laughs) That's not going to help
0: get Uh, the signal to your receiver. (laughs) Oh, man. But past that, you know, um, it's going together nice. I mean, I might even finish it up later tonight. I'm pretty much at the point where I need to solder on. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to leave the Talon 90 on there. I'm just gonna go ahead and solder on a phase Mm -hmm. sensor, and run it on the uh, mini V Gov. Fly it that way, and and just see how it goes. You know, he had mentioned that he was having some, you know, flashing lights or beeps on the Talon. It was a current uh, current sensing thing, so I got that turned off. He didn't have it set, so that should be okay. Yeah. And then it does have, it's got the KDE motor on there, which I do know has, you know, potential for pulling a lot more Oh, current. yeah. That thing is a monster of a motor uh, than the Talon. But I'm just going to kind of see how it goes and how it flies and then decide. I've got my eye possibly on the Lynx stretch mm-hmm. kit. I really don't want to run this thing crazy fast. The whole concept of it is a practice heli at lunch, high fly count as long a flight times as possible. Yep. Um, I do know that they're a little bit portly by nature. So I might just leave that motor in and, you know, rather than maybe drop it down and put a lighter motor in, I might just leave it in and then uh, bump up to like 525s. I don't know if I want to run it on 550s. Yeah. See, that that seems a little too extreme for me, not to mention it'll just look funny. Well, but what?
1: I I mean if you you'd need to stretch it to run it on 550s, right? Oh yeah. And getting I mean that's a big increase in disk area. You know, that's you, you look at the kind of changes you can make on a 700, it's like 690 to 710. You're talking about yeah. going from 500 to 550. That's a big deal. Oh, man. So I I agree with you. I would check it out as it is. And then if there's something about it that you don't like in terms of, like, disc loading, then rather than, I mean, it probably, quite frankly, would be cheaper for you to do the stretch to get the disc loading where you want than to replace a bunch of components to shave weight.
0: Yeah, and I'm thinking that, you know, 525 is a pretty common blade Mm -hmm. size. There's a lot in in that length. And so I'm feeling like stretching it, you know, would, uh, I also think it looks a little short and stubby by nature. So having that, you know, the longer stretch on the tail aesthetically, uh, will help it in my mind. And then just run it on 525. Well, wait though, can, That's do my, you
1: have to stretch it to run it on 525s? I think
0: so. Oh. But again, I just got it. And I, you know, I'll be honest, I have not done a ton of goblin 500 research yet uh because i've spent uh pretty much all of my time with the Groptner, mm-hmm. which i'll get to but, before
1: um, we get to the groppner though i gotta ask you this is the golden question because i always ask myself every time i buy okay. something and i buy a lot of shit so i ask this question a lot <laughs> okay what was your first impression when you opened it was it what you expected? Was it smaller? Was it bigger? Was it kind of like, oh yeah, it's a Goblin Five Hundred, or was it exciting um, or what?
0: First impression was normal when I took it out of the box. Um, that that was completely normal. Ah, yeah, it looks just like a little little ass Goblin. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, really. And then I took the canopy off. And that was when I went, holy crap, I had totally forgot that this thing has the whole KDE battery tray it. Oh, on dude. And that, holy It's crap. a work of art. It is. And the, tr- uh, the little trays and the whole deal is like, ooh, yeah. So that was when I got that huge, just like total wow factor. Overall, then I mean, it was wo- a
1: positive experience.
0: Oh yes, definitely, definitely positive so far. And then um, when you started trying to work on it, did you realize? You know, it's <laughs> no, it's not that bad. And I feel, you know, it's definitely much more six hundred ish to work on than it is four fifty ish. Okay, that's if that yeah, that's makes fair. sense. Yep, it's it's a lot more like working on a regular heli than it is a small 450. And you know how you were talking a 500 didn't make sense for the areas where you want to fly mm-hmm. at. Well, I can fly uh, a 700. Where I'm at, I mean, it's a little big, but I still have plenty of room sure. to fly it. I want this to simply cut down on cost you know crash cost maintenance cost, pack cost. now wait a minute wait um, a minute wait a minute
1: just hold on a second
0: crash costs okay. aren't you the one
1: touting well, the e700 as like the world's cheapest helicopter i mean dude you've crashed absolutely thing like three times and i swear i've spent more in one 450 pro crash from a line than you have on all of your e700 crashes
0: all, without question. Without question. But, okay. It doesn't matter what brand helicopter you fly. They all have main blades. They all have tail blades. And they all have mm-hmm. batteries. And they all have canopies. And those are kind of like the universal. You can't get around those. Good point. And those blades are a heck and of a lot cheaper to buy. Also, yes. The E700 also does not fit like i can't it's not small enough to put in my car and just leave mm-hmm. it in my car and the goblin 500 like oh yeah definitely that's gonna go in the back of the car and probably just live there um the packs i can get all three packs charged up super fast
1: what pack size I, is
0: I I think he's got some like forty fours and some four thousands. Yeah, that that's what I was thinking. Is like, are, can it handle the
1: packs that you're flying in your seven hundreds? And the reason I asked that is because what you do is you fly the crap out of your seven hundred packs, and then when they're they're too old and busted to handle the seven hundred anymore, cut them out of the sticks and give them to the Goblin five hundred.
0: Ah, but see now. Uh-huh, uh huh. You got to remember, I've done that before, mm-hmm. and it was actually very counterproductive. I did it on the 550. I got to remember, you know, it's fun to fly these little ones fast, and on 6s, when you start getting to that, so let's say I I did want to run 5000s in it, okay? Well, if I'm going to run 5000s, I'm really going to probably end up at 525 to 550 blades because of the weight of the pack yep. you're you're pushing it i mean you are working it you there was never a guy that was like oh no my t-rex 550 is really easy on batteries yeah that's i mean true. they abuse we're, we're back to like your 770 on 12s sort of a thing yeah that's fair so that's fair not not worth it uh-uh. i mean my e700s are super easy on packs they can be should I say? That makes sense. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna rock it. I put the mini V bar on it, um, yeah, and that's gonna be how it's gonna fly. So we'll just kind of see, see how it goes. Which, speaking of mini V bar, <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
0: yes, I'm gonna tie this into the Grobner. The Grobner. Um, Uh, Wow, you know, we we discussed, you and I, we had these conversations about, okay, all of we really read is that it's a highly, highly capable radio with all of the features that I'm really looking Mm -hmm. for, um, but it's just got this horrid, horrid programming to it. You know, both of you and I were like, well, yeah, but that's probably coming from like, you know, Spectrum guys. Uh, maybe looking to make the change bump up. I mean, no, I'm not downplaying Spectrum, but Spectrum has probably the easiest and best laid out programming menu of all of them. Yep. Um. So, I, and I'm thinking, dude, I I mean, Futaba's like no big deal at this point, and that's supposedly, you know, the worst. So how could this really be that bad? <laughs> <laughs> you were wrong. <laughs> it's that bad. It. I mean, I got it now. But the first model, it it was a couple hours. Just to put a single model in and program it. To do a complete radio setup, the first time was two to three hours. Second time around, obviously, we're down to like 15, 20 minutes. Okay, so the learning curve is steep. It's not steep, it's a wall. But, But
1: once you get over the hump... It's good to go, right? I mean, now you're
0: an expert. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not an expert, but I do. You know, it's really funny because it's it is so deceiving. Uh, when you first turn it on, I just started kind of popping around in the mm-hmm. menus, and it was like, oh, dude, that not a problem. Like, I don't know what these guys are talking about. It's all here, right? You know, endpoint, uh, sub trim, mm-hmm. throttle curve, throttle hold, throttle cut. <laughs> I don't know what they're bitching about, but they take the hardest stuff in a Futaba and they make it very easy, and they take the easiest stuff and make it just like huge WTF. And
1: completely screw it up. <laughs> yeah, I have never
0: spent more time trying to program a throttle curve than on any other radio. Dude. It's,
2: it's, it's just a flat it's, line. It's a,
0: yeah, and then you're learning channel assignments all over, you know, throttle on channel 6, pitch on channel 1. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so it definitely, it just took a while. They don't, I think they would go a long, long, long way if when you hit helicopter and you programmed in that H1 swash, that it set up a lot more stuff automatically that every heli pilot is going to have that way. You know right. what I mean? No one doesn't fly flight modes. So just turn them on. Right. You, you know, call them, call them flight modes. There's an idea. Don't call them quick links. What the hell is a quick link? Quick link. Well, quick link is a flight mode. Interesting. And it's, you know, what makes it even more difficult is that this is, you know, German-based system, So you are really dealing with a lot of jinglish, (laughs) you know. and and Well, and that's tough because you just can't go like, oh, oh, yeah, now I get it. Okay, I just totally missed it. You have to focus and read and literally follow it word by word because a lot of the buttons to go to the next or up or down or something like that, they don't just call them up or down or next menu or back, you know, forward, back. There's a Marvel concept. You know, it's like enter and escape. It, it's just it's got some weird stuff, but it's got some really, really cool stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, uh, the tele- is it
1: after all of, you know, getting getting over the learning curve, do you still feel like it's worth it?
0: Oh yeah, yeah no, definitely. I mean, I'm 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 really enjoying it. The twelve channel receiver that it came, it came with a twelve and a six. The twelve is a freaking monster. Uh, it is bigger than a mini V bar. I will use it because I already bought and paid for it. But I really uh-uh. did, and that the, came the, pa- with the radio. Like you didn't have an option
1: yes. to just get the radio without receivers.
0: No, well, no, and and you know. Uh, on the plus side, I did feel like I scored. Uh, remember how I said it didn't come with a case? Mm-hmm. It did. Oh, really? Yeah, it showed up with a case. Oh, nice! And it's the same
1: case yeah. that like the twenty-four comes in.
0: I don't, I don't know, but it's it's got a case and it fits and it looks nice. So sweet, bonus. Yeah, so yeah, it' a bonus. And now the six channel, which is actually plenty for what I need. Um, the 6-channel is actually smaller than like a 6202 Futaba. So it's plenty small. So I, I don't know. I'll, I'll either have to run 6-channels, might have to run the big one, you know, on a mm-hmm. Nitro. But the receivers are just, they're so, the telemetry on this system is powerful. I mean, crazy powerful what you can do with it. The alarms, the setups, you can reverse... Channels and set endpoints and subtrims in the receivers separate from the radio. Now that that's that's crazy. Yeah, and and adding receivers together, and then it's just, dude, it's crazy. But it's it's difficult to figure out. It took me a while to figure out, you know, like setting it up in uh, what's called Sum D, which is the single line output. You know, basically like S bus. That took a little while to figure out because it's not that user into you know you would think that you would set that in a menu in the radio, but you actually have to go into the telemetry menu in the radio, and then find it within the receiver program. Ah, uh, okay. Because the receivers are just they have their own like updatable firmware in them, which is that's it's nuts crazy. To me. How much do these receivers cost? Like, I don't know what the bigger one costs, but I was looking at the six channel, and it was like 40 bucks, dude. Oh, man. See, I know. See, that so, makes
1: uh, the cost of entry a lot easier to swallow. To You know, if you're one of those people that have a ton of helis and you've got to rekit them all with new receivers, I can handle 40 bucks a receiver.
0: Oh, uh Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's what I will I'll probably pick another one up this week. I did remove the two back switches off of the top, okay? And I moved the one that was on the back right, I moved it forward to where it's on the top now, on the right-hand side, you know, kind of towards the not on the front face of the radio, but on the top right. front. Cuz it's a really sweet three position that has one momentary so it's like the perfect throttle hold and then either throttle cut on a nitro or like self-level or bailout mm-hmm. or whatever. Perfect switch for that. So, yeah, we will see how that goes. But, okay, so that leads into this whole mini v thing. Telemetry. So I'm getting it. Yes, I get it all plugged in, get it hooked up. I get the uh, the one Raptor all programmed, and it's like ready to go. I'm going, yeah, all right. I got one all set. Keep in mind, I had swapped these over to Castle BECs as per Justin bugging the crap yep. out of me. I flick the sticks, and all of a sudden, I get like this lady telling me, <laughs> 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 receiver, low voltage, Receiver, low voltage. I'm like, what the, what? So go in, and now you can go into the telemetry menu and look at the little cool little gauges. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking, there's a there's a receiver voltage and there's a receiver minimum voltage. So that's a, you know, once you, the lowest voltage that you have hit during that plug-in cycle is what it records yep. there. I wiggle the sticks around more. I have my Castle BEC on this one set at 8 volts. It goes to 4.5 volts. Ugh, dude. I peed. I think I actually peed. I would have peed as well, I, dude. <laughs> I, I mean, my jaw, I just hit the floor and went, what? No way. And that's like danger, danger, Will Robinson range big time.
1: Oh, you're only, uh, you're less than a volt above brownout.
0: Brownout baby. Yeah. So I'm going, Oh no way. Oh my gosh. I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. Now this is the one with the Futabas. So these are not power hungry servos. Mm -hmm. I mean at all. And uh, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I unplug the BEC, unplug a couple leads, plug a receiver pack into it, and it drops from, like, uh, you know, when I plugged it in, it was at, like, 8 mm-hmm. volts, and it went down to 7.5. Mm-hmm. And immediately, my assumption is, holy crap, I got a bad BEC. Yep. Like, this thing can't handle it. This thing cannot handle this. Oh, my god! So, I call up Justin. You, you know, son of a bitch, make me put these things, Been it on the trash, <laughs> going to Bring my helis down, blah, blah, blah. So we get into some, you know, we're bouncing back and forth, bouncing back and forth, and I I ran out of time that night. So the other night, I went into full-on testing mode. Now this, the reason I really want to tell everyone this is this not finishing, just leaving it right there and saying, screw this, pulling the BEC off, going back to a receiver pack. Is how companies get bad names. Because at that point in my mind, it was basically fuck the Castle Beach. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that. And, and I what think did that your buddy most, Justin tell you? Yeah, we got to do it right. We got to go through it, figure it out, right? Do exactly like what we talked about in Digging yep. In. Bingo. And I never would have known this if it was not for the telemetry. That's a big thing. It's kind of scary, actually, dude. It's, it's horrifying. I mean, we're talking brownout, danger, not good, not safety mm-hmm. issue here. A- and this is me, who I feel very confident in my setups. So what I did, I went through a whole series. And if you guys have not downloaded the Troubleshooting 101 Digging In, I highly suggest that you do. I mean, we basically went through the exact same thing that we talk about there. Yep. We, uh, I pulled the BEC off the other Raptor, put it on, same results. What? So now all of a sudden, okay, it's not a single failing BEC. Maybe it's a BEC design. Go through a whole large uh, process individual servos that sort of a deal to make sure we don't have a servo that's drawing too much and something that kind of stuck in the back of my mind was for taking futaba servos and no load just giving them the flick on the stick you know and justin was giving me the big thing about how you can potentially get a commutation error in a servo motor because you know what you're demanding out of it so quickly okay whatever but i've done it with a lot of stuff before I thought it was pretty odd that my receiver pack dropped half of volt. Mm-hmm. That's pretty odd to me. That's a lot in the flick of a stick. Well, we concluded it was not the servos. It was not the BEC. But it was indeed the bus bar in the mini V bar. Yes, it was. You now, know, what? hold on. You you left out the part where
1: you you the other heli, which was known to be good, had That's a full
0: size yep. V bar, full size V bar. Retested everything over there. No problem. All the BECs worked. Yep, all the BECs worked over there. It showed no more than a point eight or point two volt and, drop. And and then you also did the
1: receiver pack over
0: there. And
1: didn't see the yep. half a volt drop either.
0: Oh, God, no. Nope. 0.1 volt yep. around in there. So this was at this point, I mean, we had proven it, pinned it down. That was it. You know, and I knew, well, we've discussed it before about the busing in the mini V-bar not being of, you know, uh, what would be standard by by all the rest of the fly mm-hmm. systems as of now. And, you know, how, well, it's not as big of a deal if you're a Futaba guy because what happens is the voltage drops basically feeding the insides of it that go to the voltage regulator that power the satellite. So that satellite runs at 3 volts. And if you're feeding your system with, let's say, 5 volts or 6 volts and you wiggle the sticks and your BEC drops down, to you know it drops down to say two and a half you just browned out a spectrum yep. you know and and or any of them for that matter but spectrum does have a little bit higher brownout voltage i think it's 3.7 yeah,
1: yeah it's maybe high not. threes I'm, low fours i think
0: yeah and futaba is a little bit lower that's why usually spectrum has a problem first in a situation where it's not really spectrum's fault it's The whole design of the thing. But I had, I mean, I just assumed, well, with Futaba, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not flying like, you know, Protex or Savic servos or anything that are notoriously Mm high-ampered servos. So with efficient servos and a Futaba setup, it'll be just fine. Well, just because it, here's my air quotes, works does not mean that it's right. And i learned a very big lesson on that i i'm glad we figured it out dude because you know you you
1: had been flying it that way and and in fairness to the setup you didn't have any problems but that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have eventually
0: and for me it's just not worth the risk oh oh dude it was like okay grounded i mean done it was that fast there's no question which is, that's, you know, and it's not a horrible
1: an ex- feeling, too, because you're so comfortable with that setup when you're flying it and have no problem. And then out of nowhere, something like this pops up and it's kind of like, well, I mean, I we were talking on the phone and had we not figured it out, it's not even my heli. And I'd, I'd ground it because of the uncertainty. It's like, well, now I, I don't know where the problem is. I can't in good conscience go and fly this thing.
0: Yeah, and we need to be clear, you know, why... Okay, why was it, quote-unquote, working a lot better on a receiver pack? Well, you have a lot more potential out of a receiver pack. You know, if you have a little 2100 milliamp receiver pack and it's, it's 25C or, you know, even 30C or something like that, that little bastard can put out some serious oh, amperage. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the Castle BEC, or most BECs for that matter... 10, 15 amps continuous, 20 amp peak. So it, just because, I, you know, let's say I went back to a receiver pack, that does not mean that I'm not getting the same big hurricane voltage drop across there, which is not correct. There, You know, that design flaw is still there. It is less susceptible to causing a problem, but it's still not right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I made the decision at that point. It was very obvious. Uh, That needed to come off. Uh, I was going to buy another mini V-bar to put on the Goblin. Stop you dead in your uh, tracks on that one, huh? Yeah, so (laughs) I put the mini V-bar on the Goblin, which I will, for the record, be doing the same test once I get it finished to double-check it Mm -hmm. first. Uh, I mean, all hail telemetry and the safety now. And uh, then I will be purchasing a, another full size to put on the Raptor. But wow, I mean, what a who would have thought that buying a new radio basically saved my Dude, ass. that
1: just paid for itself right there. Oh, yep. I mean, even if you hated the radio and you sent it back, it's worth the restocking
0: fee. And I learned that you know, just because, again, in the case of the Mini V Bar, just because it works doesn't mean that it's working properly mm-hmm. and i know there are probably
1: a lot of people out there that are flying it with much more power hungry servos than you're running yep. so
0: i just you're it's just borrowed time keep it in mind <laughs> yeah borrowed time cool man well i think that's it i just you know jesse's home our plan is to try and get out tomorrow we'll see whether depending if that happens or not, but I got, uh, I'm excited to get out and actually fly with the Gropner. It feels great. It's got plenty of weight, you know, like Dan had mentioned. I'm really happy with it. It's just got some really weird little quirks to get used to with the programming, but you know, just a couple odd things that I still need to kind of go through round two of learning. You know, you go through all the rough and dirty stuff just to get it flyable. And then you go back a little bit later after you've got a couple weeks flying on it, and then you really try and figure out every last little mm-hmm. detail. So that's the Sweet, plan. Sweet man. But we should uh we should probably do some Let's <laughs> do some, some news. news. This one's you, you gotta do it. Don't okay, butcher. Hold it. on. Let me uh I gotta get gotta get prepared here.
2: BK servos offer a value not yet seen in the industry. For less than a hundred dollars you get a super-fast servo with plenty of torque. Lightweight, compact, and unique CNC design with excellent centering. There is just nothing on the market like this today. So if you want to experience great value and industry-leading support, head over to www.bkservo.com and check them out.
1: This week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com. Your daily RC helicopter news magazine. Nice. Very well. I felt it. Yeah, that was that. Dan should be worried. I'm coming for you. I mean, uh... watch out, Dan. All
0: right. So, you know, we had discussed the Blade 180 CFX, and, you know, could this be the one that turns the whole micro community world? I mean, we all, everyone's going to buy this thing. I mean, there's just no question. You've got to try it. Everyone's got. Everyone bought a 130, had to try it. And uh, so, uh, a buddy of mine, Edsel Lebau team uh, Horizon Pilot, did a nice little overview video on it. Again, just going over everything. The more, every time I see it, the more I look at. You know, under the canopy on it, I like it. I love it. I just, I can't wait. I want it to be here. Now, did we get any more
1: clarification from last week on the motor differences? You remember we found two you know, different KVs on the spec sheet?
0: We did, and I sent off – I did send off a message and was like, by the way, blah, 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 but I never heard back. But then, in fairness, I don't think I actually asked a question. Uh, I think it was more just, oh, yeah, by the way, these are contradictory. Uh okay. So I – sorry i kind of dropped the ball on that one well and these are
1: are they can you buy them now or is it just a pre-order it's, it's pre-order, a pre-order right now i thought so
0: yeah yeah it looks pretty if you can buy them dude. i better have one. Oh yeah no i'm i'm like i gotta kind of rethink oh no that's right i got the dx6i forgot about that i was like oh no Crap, switch radios. Now what am I going to do? But I'll be all right. You know, the one warning
1: I've got for you on this, and it's I'm warning myself, too, because I may eventually pick this up this winter. It gets windy here. 180.
0: But. I don't know, man. Ah. But, but, but. My backyard, all surrounded. Shop, trees. Oh, dude. My backyard is relatively wind-free in the grand scheme of things. And that's where this sucker's going to live. My front yard points to the west, so by the time I would get home and fly it, the sun's always in my eyes, so that doesn't work. So it's a backyard heli. Very cool. But, now, although you cannot purchase the 180, you can purchase the NX-7. Really? Really? It's now released officially. It is released? Okay. Uh you know, we went over looking more and more pictures. Now we're starting to see some build videos, a lot more detailed pictures. A couple things stick out. You know, not one, the least of which is the main gear. Not the least of which is the main gear. <laughs> it's
1: huge.
0: I really, really, really
1: like the way this thing looks, dude. I do as well. I'm just... I'm concerned, dude. Uh, you know, snooping around at, at some of the challenges with the X5, when I was talking about getting that smaller size helicopter, the parts availability concerns me.
0: Yeah, They've had some of that and, and I still I know I'm gonna get some Gowie hate off this and, and that's okay. You know, the hey, the X seven is is a no question is a very well designed machine. I mean it takes serious abuse and it's been proven. I mean obviously it's as of right now it's flown by the world champion. Mm-hmm. But they have had a history of Parts quality, I'm going to say, inconsistency. Almost reminds me of what Align fought back in yep. the day. That it it seems like, unfortunately, they just haven't been able to shake. And I know that, you know, we've talked, uh, like Rex, you know, you were talking to him. Gazillion flights on that thing with no oh, issues. yeah, dude. And I do know. I don't think Lottie's had an issue with his. But then... There are plenty of people who are like, oh, my God, uh, you know, I know Carter f- has fought tail vibrations from the second he built his mm-hmm. X7, you know, and uh, spent a ton of time on it. And I've I've heard numerous other issues like that. So I, I hope they get that figured out because they've got so much potential. Uh, the designs are unique. Uh, they look Ah, dude, I, I still love think the, the look the Gali, of that the,
1: heli. I, I mean, the NX7 the, in particular is
0: sexy as hell. Yes, it is. So i I do hope that they can shake that because I love the way that it looks. I love the layout of it. You know, we're looking at a. It'll be interesting to see when the reviews pop up how CG works. But the fuel tank is directly underneath the main shaft, which for a nitro guy is awesome when you're flying through oh yeah
1: dude they nailed all of the design features from what i could tell looking at it
0: yeah i you know we'll just have to see i'm this is one that i'm definitely going to keep up on and i kind of want you know i really want to hear that they don't have any problems with it because design wise it'll be it's right up there i mean no question that it's a contender agreed Well, let's see what else we got in the old news. Um, I am kind of out, but I think that you
1: had. I do have some news. First news comes to us from our friend, Kerry Shirley, Gas Powered Thoughts, and his recent or relatively new company, Gas Powered Helicopters. He just announced a couple of days ago that he's going to be stocking goblin 700 competition converted kits for the leviathan the gas conversion so you guys you know the leviathan it's been around for a while now carrie's been selling that at gas-powered helicopters but that was a conversion for the original goblin 700 layout shorter frames different canopy you know there are a couple of uh, of other minor differences and then SAB about a year ago came out with a competition series, which basically standardized the frame sides, uh, the drivetrain and the canopy for the seven hundred and seven seventy. So it's a it's a larger pod now. And the Leviathan guys and carry have been working together to get the actual competition version of the Leviathan released. And so what's really nice about this one is instead of just buying like the Leviathan conversion and sticking it on an old school goblin, he's going to be offering mm-hmm. a fully converted kit. So for 12.49, oh. you buy a Goblin 700 competition kit with the conversion
0: already included and the fuel tank kit. And so so is is it minus the electric parts? Yeah, I mean, is it basi- Basically, you're buying a Goblin Seven Hundred gas. Yeah, I mean, for in, for it, all intents in and purposes, form. that's it. Yeah, you oh, get the see, box that's cool and because...
1: it's ready to go. You build it just like a regular heli, except it only has the gas parts.
0: See, that's freaking sweet because I, you know, you're. When you're doing a quote-unquote conversion, now you have extra parts left over. You got to go here to buy this, there to buy that. This is a gasser kit. Yep. And
1: Period. what it means is that you're saving a lot of money. I mean, you yeah. know, that's that's probably over 300 bucks that you're saving by not having to buy the full kit, the electric kit. And now you got a bunch of parts, a bunch of really expensive parts that you don't need. Uh, it's just got the gas stuff, and so you're going to be able to get that from gas-powered helicopters, Twelve forty-nine for the whole kit. I talked to Carrie and I think he's going to be able to offer that in multiple different colors eventually. I think right now he's just got the, I want to say the yellow and orange version, or yellow and red, whichever one it is, and then he's also working on in the future hopefully the near future having like a full combo available where you can buy the kit and it'll also include an engine and a pipe really pretty freaking cool man that was you know that was a big thing for me because I do not like the look of the original goblin it's too short and squatty the canopy's myth the competition version meh. is incredibly badass I stare at mine on a regular
0: basis. Yeah, well, we uh, (laughs) probably not the only thing you stare at on a regular basis. Okay,
1: this one, I'm going to call this one news of the week, dude. I'm going to go out there and make the executive decision. Well, see, don't say that I'm the only one that gets to do that. 2015 3D Cup World Edition. Have you heard about this? N- not a thing okay so i i'm gonna read a little bit six years after the first edition nick the jurassic rotor team is pleased to introduce a new amazing show for 2015 with a brand new heli competition format so check this out i mean this has got everything it's got uh it's it's basically got your typical top 3d pilots it's going to have a challenger round where maybe not the best of the best have the opportunity to get in there and get their chance at part of the competition. Kind of like an XFC style, I think, in that regard. Yeah, the last chance yeah, the, qualifier. The last chance qualifier, right? It's going to have, so it's it's a 3D contest, but it also includes a speed cup. Oh, yeah. And pylon <laughs> racing. Now I've heli yeah, pylon I've, racing. That's what I said. I'm like, dude, why are they bring? Oh my planks? god, we are so all gonna die. So it's it's heli pylon racing. All I gotta say is oh. someone better be there with a damn good video camera because I want to see that,
0: man. Can you imagine Holy- that? No, that's like oh the carnage. Oh.
1: So, and what's cool is it's going to be live streamed.
0: So you'll be able to follow along from wherever you are. Now, this is interesting. I, I kind of, you know, I didn't really know what I was reading at the time, but it must have been this and then something to do. There was some sort of controversy about there was another event like the weekend before or something, and they were going to. Hopefully try and separate them because, like you said, this one's come back. It hasn't been out for a while, right? right? And never in this format, I don't think. Okay.
1: It sounds really, really cool. It's going to be June 26th through the 28th next year, 2015. uh, 3D Contest, Speed Cup, Pilot Racing. 40 pilots are pre-selected. And there will be eight challengers for the 3D Cup. And they'll have to have qualified in the first round, uh, apparently at another event in May. And then they're going to be split into unlimited and challengers. And then 12 pilots in the unlimited or the ultimate class will compete for the 3D Cup. Then you got 10 pilots for open class and unlimited class speed cup. Twenty pilots for pylon racing and fifteen places will be available for the night fly competition. It is wow. in well, here we go. Ready? Les Domand Do du Planet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> in the French Riviera. Yeah. Oh. I think we need to travel that. Dude,
1: there's a speed cup. I gotta go to France. here's the problem i think that's kind of like about the same time that our fun fly usually is
0: oh oh no no (laughs) (laughs) at first it was wee wee (laughs) 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 oh man well well that's all i got that's all i got too all right, take us
1: home, Okay, dudes. this week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine.
0: You know, there are many companies that can honestly say they offer a complete spectrum of helis from beginner all the way to expert. Well, Blade Helicopters can not only make that claim, but they can most certainly back it up. Whether you're looking for your first collective pitch heli, like maybe the 200 SRX with self-leveling safe technology, or you're ready to step up and play with the big boys and get the 700X Pro Series, you'll be sure to find a blade heli that will fit your skill level and budget. From little kids to big kids, blade's
2: got something for you. So fly on over to www.bladehellies.com for more information.
0: Cool. Well, we rambled for a while.
1: Imagine yeah. that. You, me, no one to stop us.
0: Both of our spouses just rolled their eyes. <laughs> Even if they didn't That's hear correct. it, they rolled their eyes. Yeah. What are we talking about, So dude? we got... I don't know. We got a little bit of time left. I don't want to go too crazy long, but there's been a – we've had – this has been, man, something that (laughs) has been a topic more than once, but keeps getting brought up. Mm -hmm. Uh, As new models come out, their setups almost kind of revive things, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like certain heli will come out. It performs really well at a certain RPM and then that's what everyone is like, "Ooh, that's the new way that I like to set mine right. up." Because of that one model. But you know, is there and what we're talking about is that balance of high head speed low pitch or low head speed high Aha. pitch. Ah. Yes. And that is a boy. I I really believe that there is no right answer to that I I think I generally
1: agree because no matter what technical argument you make it all comes down to what the pilot wants the heli to feel like Mm -hmm. and and so you know there is there is a strong technical argument for and against both of those but at the end of the day you gotta fly what feels good to you and I think some people like like for example About a year ago, you were in this same quandary, and you were doing Mm -hmm. the, I need more, I need more. I got to go higher head speed. Jesse was doing the same thing. And then Snowhomish Funfly rolls around. We meet Nick Maxwell for the first time. We talk to Nick Maxwell about how he sets his helis up. And our jaws drop to the floor when we realize that he's flying on a castle governor at nineteen eighty. With, like, 432 degrees of pitch. <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that completely changed your outlook on it. I didn't. I just... I, I was completely awestruck, not only at the flying, but that a heli could move that quickly on that low of RPM. Yeah. So... And you can do do that with 16 to 18 degrees.
1: A year later, this topic comes up from a listener and friend, uh, Brian Langston. He he brought this up to me earlier this week, and Nick and I and him were, were talking about it a bit. He flies a Blade 700X, and he wanted to get more out of it. And so we did this talk about, you know, well, what, what are the pros and cons of doing high head speed, low pitch versus low head speed, high pitch, uh, you know. What are the different feels that you're going to get out of it? And when those two knobs don't get you what you want, what's the next step? Do you go up in blade size, you know, or Mm -hmm. uh, is it a is it a cord width thing? That sort of deal. So, you know, I'm not going to be as good at this conversation from a pure 3D flying standpoint because I don't fly as hard as you. And my head speeds are pretty damn low and my pitch is pretty damn low. So I kind of <laughs> don't fall into either of these categories. But I, within the, the range of head speeds that I fly, the rules still apply. And I have experienced it and done my own tuning. But let's talk technical yeah. for a second.
0: Well, there's a lot of variables. The, and, and this is, I mean, you know, you can't. And this is why I say there is not a rule, uh, a real easy black and white rule to follow because there's some very important variables that draw pretty, pretty dead set hard lines in how low and or high you can go. Um, One of those, uh, my general personal theory is I fly as I set my head speed to as low as the heli will tune well. How about that? That's fair. That's my best. So, you know, if I want to hammer on it as hard as I can, can I tune out any tendencies? All helis are different. You know, we talk about the Raptors. The Raptors are very forgiving on the head tune. They're like, they got anti-bobble built into them. So, you know, they fly. I mean, you can hammer on Raptor, believe it or not, at 1750. Mm -hmm. Now, Here's the kicker, though. That other, that hard line is tail performance. And this is greatly going to depend on tail ratio. The Raptors have, you know, 4.3 to 1. If you want to fly that really, really hard, that puts you in an area of, you know, back up to, and I'm talking like really hard, you know, full collective, 14 degrees, hurricanes, that sort of a deal, you really need to get back up into the 1950 ish range. So that's that kind of balance. Would I fly them maybe a little slower and a little more pitch? I I don't know. I mean, maybe, but I do notice the tail starting to get a little bit weaker now for the average pilot. It's not going to be a problem at all. You know, it's yeah, no big deal at all. Um, With the blade, something to think about. Now, the Raptor is limiting on blade size, main blade size, because of the design. Uh, You just can't run 710s on it right out of the box. So it's not really an issue. But like the blade will clear. However, what I found is that going up on main blade size in the 700X to 710s, now that 429 tail ratio on 115s. It's just not Not enough. Not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it when you're hammering on it against the 710s. But on 700s, it's just fine. So then you can, okay, so in that case, then maybe you can combat that by going up in head speed. Get a little more tail authority out of it. Spin the tail a little bit faster. But again, it's it's all kind of, there, there's just these these floating variables that you need to set your high limits what's going to work, you need to set your low limits for mechanically what's going to work, and then kind of go in the middle of that range. And those limits are very depending on your flight style and how hard you can fly. And that's,
1: dude, that's really what it comes down to, because... There, there is a lot of technical behind this, and we're not going to get into the super details. But I want to touch on some just a few key points. Okay, the difference, the fundamental difference between high head speed, low pitch, and low head speed, high pitch. Without even talking about changing the blade sizes or or chords. Okay, when when we're spinning these blades, they're producing lift, but they're also, as a consequence, uh, subject to drag. Right. Mm-hmm. Drag is proportional to the square of the speed of the air going over that airfoil and proportional to only uh, the the angle, the pitch angle itself to the first power, okay? That means if I double my pitch, the drag's gonna roughly speaking, go up by about a factor of two. But if I double my speed, the drag's gonna go up by a factor of four. Okay, so what does that translate to? High head speed, low pitch costs you a lot more in terms of minimum power to keep the head moving at a given RPM. So it may feel great when you give it pitch and it's super responsive and agile and fast, it's a rocket ship. But it's gonna be a lot harder on your packs, on your motor and your ESC, and it's gonna reduce your flight time. Mm -hmm. Low head speed. Oh no, go ahead. Low head speed has the opposite thing. Uh, You're now at a at a reduced level of head speed, so your drag overall is gonna be lower uh, than the high head speed low pitch. But now, when we talk high pitch, what are we talking about? 14 15
0: 16 yeah know. yeah i would say to, you know 13 on yeah. up because i think it's fair to say that a lot of guys are running at 12 sure i think a lot know, of people probably are 12 13 12 and 13 yeah. let's call it 13 sure. plus
1: so 13 plus we'll call high pitch and these blades are actually pretty darn good in terms of airfoil shape and and quite frankly they don't You know, with all the movement that you've got going and difference in orientations, you don't worry too much about stalling them at high pitch. Now, if Dan sets the heli up, then you got to worry about blade stall because 22 degrees is going to cause some problems. But 13 to 15 or 16, I've even heard people say as high as 18 for 3D is is not that big of a deal. The problem with the higher pitch like that is now things get a lot more touchy on the collective, right? And that doesn't just go for collective pitch, but if you're increasing your cyclic pitch, or the equivalent of cyclic pitch in your flybarless system, you're gonna get better flight times, all right? Because you're not spinning as high of a head speed, and when you do give it the stick motions, it's gonna move, but uh, overall. You may find that the heli is going to be more jerky, less smooth. Maybe it requires more expo, that sort of a thing, because the range over which you spend a majority of your time, because let's face it, you're not flying an entire four or five minute flight at 18 degrees is now reduced on the gimbal. So you have to be much more precise. So, you know. Those are the kind of that's the the engineering or the scientific view of it. And I I think you will find high versus low head speed to the tune of, let's say, a hundred or so RPM difference uh, traded for two or three degrees of pitch. You're going to lose 30 to 60 seconds of flight time, depending on how heavy the hell I wouldn't.
0: I don't even think you need to trade it for that much. I mean, 100 between 100 to 100 on a 700 class. Uh, for me, I would say 100 RPM to 150 would be right around in the degree. Okay. There you go. Of change. Well, 100 to 1 is ballpark around in there. But, yeah, flight time, I mean, it's huge. But, you know, it also falls back on, like, I always go as low as I can, right? And on the Raptors, 1950 works great. But I could not get... The T-Rex to tune that well, that low, Mm -hmm. the head design, it just didn't have it. It wasn't going to have any of that. So I stayed uh, more toward 2000. I got about 2030 was where it got real nice and easy to tune. And that's another part of it. If you're not, you have to understand that there is a, a lot more effort to be put into the tuning the lower you go. Oh, yeah, that is absolutely true. Uh, tail tuning, head tuning, all of it. You will, you know, you drop down from, let's say you're a 2100 guy and you drop down to 1950. You hear this and you're like, oh yeah, I got to try it. If you just drop your head speed and fly it, you're going to hate it. Well, like you're really going to hate it. And it goes
1: beyond that. I mean, let's bring, it, let's bring it down to my level of speed. On the Goblin 770, my range is between like 1300 and 1700s. And I can tell you mm-hmm. that you cannot tune it the same over that range. It tunes much differently at the lower head speeds. It's much more difficult to tune. And you're right, the tail can be a pain in the ass. So and yep. and every is gonna be different. The the Goblin yep, Seven switching baby. <laughs> it, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, you can definitely do it that way.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, uh, I have just always gone back toward the lower, the lower stuff and higher pitch. And, you know, before it used to be put it at 2050 or 2000 and then tuned the pitch to make it feel like whatever. Uh, or, or, and that now I just kind of go to 1950. And I mean, I, I put mine at, I was up until recently just putting them at 13 to start. And now I really understand when the pros, you'd ask the pro, hey, what are you running for pitch? Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make a difference. Four, 14, 15, yeah. I, I really couldn't tell you. And I'm like, what? What do you mean you can't tell me how much pitch you're running? The I value mean, of the number supposed- is academic. All you got to do That's is right. make sure that
1: your swash is level and you got zero pitch at center stick. And from there,
0: you tune to feel. Absolutely. So, what if let's say that the heli is capable of giving you lots of options. Let's fl- say you're flying like a like an agile, right, or a rush, um, a seven HV, all of the other helis that you can go seven tens, you can go six eighties, all the way up to seven tens, seven twenties, whatever. and fly those. When when do you make the decision that that you want to go up? And or why would you want to go up or go down? Well, so for me
1: personally, the choice to increase or decrease blade size is almost always driven by the the disc loading feel of the heli, not the poppiness, because I think for my style of flying and and actually I, I would feel confident extending this to most people's style of flying you can get the feel that you're looking for within the range of head speed and pitch combos that are generally available for a 3D style heli right and so yes going up or down and blade side can blade size can tailor that but it's the the blade length and cord really does more for you in terms of the feel of the heli in the air and we've talked a lot about disk loading i won't go into that I personally prefer on 700 3d machines. I prefer seven, 700 to 710 millimeter blades. The six nineties are just a little too. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what the right word is, but the six nineties feel a bit too snappy for me for my style. I like smooth flowy stuff. Seven to seven tens works a lot better. Uh, and and you know you take that to its logical conclusion, and of course my 3D heli is a 770 swinging 750s, and it feels even better at those larger blades.
0: Um, hmm. <clears throat> I go. I think I agree. I mostly I try and go as small as I can, uh. But it's it's got to have that the correct amount of float to it. You know, uh, if I was gonna I and I do it mostly by weight. I just look at the weight and then kinda of automatically pick the, the blade weight size. of the blade or the weight of the heli? The weight of the heli. Okay. Yep. So, you know, if I'm if I'm staying under uh eleven and a half pounds or whatever, I have no problem running a six ninety on there at all. I mean no issue at all. Like I really, really like the rail six ninety sixes on the Raptors. I mean I really do. Now from all these other helis that I've had, I've got uh, a couple pairs of uh, the Compass 700s laying around. So just in an effort to keep the Raptors the same, I I run those on there. But now 700s on the, with this lack of weight, it's borderline too, too floaty. I mean, borderline. And it is definitely floaty by regular standards it's just almost borderline for well me. and see then you're was... talking
1: about the compass blade so not only do you get the floatiness because it's a bigger disc but the tips on those things are aggressive i yeah, they loved are. the compass 700s on my align 700 because it was a monster i mean it was fun to just screw around with because
0: those blades bit so hard they do. They definitely do. Um, you know, if I was like the the blade is definitely because it hangs out around high 11s to 12, depending on what setup in there, it's a 700 millimeter heli, mm-hmm. no problem. Uh, if I was going to fly like a Gowie, an Agile, something like that, I would go straight to 710s on it. And again, I turn that head speed down, find the lowest head speed that I could tune it to fly the way I wanted to, um, to get the baubles out on the hard stops. And that's what I mean, like, if I could tune it. If I can get all the baubles out on the stops, which is usually the, that's what you end up chasing. That's what you're trying mm-hmm. to tune out is when you stop it hard. When you get your pitch to where it stops as quick as you want it to, can you tune it to where it doesn't right. bobble? Once I get all that dialed out and the tail dialed in, then any additional poppiness that I need, I just creep up on the pitch without measuring. Yeah, well, well, try one more click. Well, try one more click. We'll go from yeah, there. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I I really see why the seven hundred, you know, why so many companies came out with seven hundreds. It was because the you know the weight of the helis was starting to creep up as we got. Bigger motors and bigger speed controllers and bigger batteries and everything. Now, 12 pounds plus was standard for an yep. electric. So, you know, not a lot of people liked 690s. It felt like a tank, especially when you're coming from a nitro heli. Holy cow. Well,
1: and furthermore, I, mean, I can, I also can see why a lot of companies have gone towards uh, more advanced tip geometries because, for example, going from, you know, sometimes you can't get everything in one combination so now you don't okay you don't like the floatiness right or you don't like the lack of floatiness so you go up in blade size all right so I'm I'm running 710s now maybe they're 713 edges maybe they're 710 radixes you've got a lot more disc area and you've still got an aggressive tip so now not only is it floaty but it is snappy and poppy as hell You go to a rail 716 and it's floaty like a 710 bladed heli, but it's not poppy like a 710 bladed heli. And that's what I really like about these newer tip geometries, because they can take the edge off and get you sort of a middle ground. And if you do want more pop, raise the head speed or raise the
0: raise the pitch. Yep. I, I love the rails for that reason. They just – and I think I like them even, you know, I haven't tried them back again, but maybe – well, no. Oh, man, I sent them to Dan. Damn it.
1: <laughs> I just realized I sent them with the blade. Oh,
0: there you go. Um, They would probably be just perfect with this higher pitch because it does feel a bit snappy to me at this point, and I can't go down in right. head speed. But I love the – I love the pull that it right. has. I don't want to change the overall pull. I just need to soften the snap a little bit. So that sweatback tip would be perfect. Yep. Wacky
1: waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Hi, I'm Justin Pucci and despite what you may think, I'm not here to talk to you about wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. What I am here to tell you is that the guys over at Rotary Wing RC are stocking up on all forms of heli goodness and passing the savings on to you. Need a fly system? Joe and Kyle have Bavarian Demon, Skookum, and Icon. Looking for a heli? What about Gowie or one of those Garbins? Servos? Look no further for BK servos and MKS. And who could forget the German amazingness that is Contronic? I sure can't, because I just bought three of them. So head on over to www.rotarywingrc.com and get yourself loaded up with awesome today.
0: Kind of a cool little discussion. It really is a lot of it is preference. You know, just understand that there's limits on both end. You know, it's... But experiment you, with it, you know? Bring a notebook Yeah, don't out. be... A
1: f- and and before you come to the field choose a you know two or three head speed and pitch combos and just give it a try you gotta do it back to back though you can't do one setting one weekend and then another setting the next weekend you won't remember nope.
0: i think it's probably about that time i agree i'm out i got some wrenching to do me too more you probably have some some motors
1: I to have, buy I, I'm somewhere gonna, i will go and check the classifieds in ebay when we're done here Absolutely. But before that, we've got some uh got some new additions to the website, haven't we?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. The store
1: we've is got, officially yes. up and running. Now Yeah, we said it was right. last week and we yeah, lied. Well we said it was going to be when last week's show went live
0: and it wasn't. A day yep. late. It was a day late. So if you went there right when you heard it, yeah, that was, that was mine and Justin's fault. <laughs> but
1: it's there now. But it's up. We're doing a yep. pre-order for hoodies, right? Yep. We're going to do about two weeks here. So, by the time you hear this, we're probably already roughly a week or so into that pre order, and we'll see how it goes. You know, if, if there's enough popularity, then maybe we extend it a little bit. But what we really wanted to try to do, and, you know, we can't guarantee anything, but we wanted to position the pre order uh, in, in such a way as to try to maximize the possibility that we can get these out long enough before the holidays. Because, you know, I I mean, that that seems to be a pretty popular thing around this time of year, especially when we did the hoodies last time. People wanted to get some for their significant others or their friends or their kids or whatever. And we're offering them in the whole range of sizes from small up to 4XL. So you just basically go on the website, uh, choose your size, choose international or uh, U.S. shipping and click your buy now button. It'll go to PayPal. You can do your thing. The other cool feature that's new and and new as if we meant to do it, uh, because at the end, like Nick and I published the Web page and we're like, dude, this is freaking cool. How did you do that? And Nick's like, I don't know. I didn't do it. Well, you, you we've got a shopping cart now. So you go on there and you choose hoodie and you press buy now. And it puts you out onto PayPal, right? And then you can click the return to RC Heli Nation webpage and go and choose a t-shirt or a hat. Go and buy that. And it'll keep adding it into your PayPal shopping cart. And at the end, you just check out with, you know, all the products that you want. Wish we could have taken credit for that. Don't know how the hell it happened, but it's there.
0: I'm excited. I'm really dying for a new hoodie. I mean, just... Freaking dying for it. And it's cool to see we found so much inventory that we, <laughs> we didn't know we had. It was like, whoa, um, dude, we have that shirt? <laughs> yeah, we still, I mean, you know, we don't have a lot of sizes of some of them, but if they're up there, then they're there. Like, you can purchase it if it is up there. So that's the, uh, that's the good part. And Ken's dealing with it, which is probably the best part. Because it, if it's it'll just it get means done you'll actually get
1: them. Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. So take comfort in knowing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I need a hoodie, dude. Uh, I gave, I had like two or three of them. I gave one away to a friend. Um, and then the one that I have has now developed an ever-increasing, uh, sized hole in the left armpit. Oh, yeah. nice. And, and now, I mean, I have worn the crap out of this thing. My my wife wears it. I wear it. It goes everywhere. It's like a permanent fixture in my car.
0: Just because you never know, right? Yep. I think Jesse actually lived in his for a <laughs> while, <laughs> furniture and all. Oh, I mean, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Nah, no, they're cool. And hey, don't forget um tech tips. You know, I put another one up. Thanks again, uh, team SAB pilot and our CHN friend team uh Chris Treby. He did a great one on shortening motor shafts, how to do it without getting all the nasty junk and cuttings inside the motor. We've got a – the tech tip section is growing. You know, I've been kind of hounding on these guys. We'll get some more put up there. It's just, you know, it's that it's that great all in one place. To go find all of those cool little tricks. And it, and it saved us a bunch of time. You know, I've had people, hey, now how did you do this? And it's just like, there's the link to it. People, yeah. Oh, yeah, probably should have checked there first. So just, you know, don't forget about it. It is growing uh, all the time. We're trying to constantly add new ones. And now that, you know, we're kind of starting to wind down uh, for the winter We'll as we're going through our models And going through setups, we'll definitely be adding a bunch more. So, um, yeah, make sure and check that out. Again, events, just because our season is not winding down doesn't mean that the rest of the world isn't up and going. Make sure and get Dieter. Uh, Send Dieter your events, and he'll get them put up on the calendar. Thanks again, Dieter, for doing that. And then if you're cruising around Facebook and you see Ken Ken Saloy again. Shoot him a thank you. Um, Thanks for handling the store, and you know, not to mention he, you know, he hasn't been flying as much. He's kind of taking a little bit of break, but uh, dude, man, Larry has still been helping us out on the back end with the website. Oh yeah, and we really appreciate that. He's, you know, he's kept. The, the grunt of it up and running for a long time. Uh, you know, I don't even know if he listens anymore. <laughs> Life has kind of taken a toll, but uh, he's still keeping us going, and, and that means a lot to us, Larry. So if you are listening, thanks again, man. We do appreciate it. I got to remind you what? of something. OHB is coming what? up.
1: OHB! We're what now, six yes. weeks away? Seven weeks away? Tell me it isn't so. It's blowing my mind. So we've been getting, so getting a lot of people, oh, a lot of listeners have gotten in contact with me recently, um, saying that they're coming, they're looking forward to hanging out with us. A few people asking what hotels we're going to be staying at. I can't remember. Uh, Nick and I are staying at a hotel. Dan's not right now. Jesse, I don't know where Jesse's staying. He's either going to like crash on the floor in our room or. You know, over at the cash wells or on a street corner or at the field. I don't know.
0: It's going to be a shit show, and that's what makes it awesome.
1: But uh, be sure to to pre-register to get your chance at prizes and the pre-registration T-shirt if you're going. I think pre-reg is only open for another few weeks, which means, Nick, we probably should pre-register. Oh, yeah. Because we are going. Yeah, I am going to attempt to bring a heli. I know people think I'm crazy for that, but I've talked to others who are going to do the same. So if you have an idea on how to transport large helicopters across the country, please let me know, because it'll be the first time I have done it uh, through air travel or mail.
0: You know, why don't we do this? I would like to know as well. So don't just don't just be stingy, Justin, and keep all that information uh, you know, throw us a throw us an email, put post up on the forum, Facebook, or whatever. Give us some links to some, you know, not just like here's my case, but how about maybe like some model numbers yes. or something? That would be really helpful. They start to all look the same, so model numbers, and you know, like what 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 helis can you get inside of them? What do you use to all your transmitter and stuff? Let, let's let's dig into that. I think we should because that's something that you and I have. Uh, a combined experience of absolutely zero zero.
1: exactly
0: yes (laughs) yeah and so educate us yep
1: uh also because ohb is coming up quick we're going to do our best to get bert and carrie on a upcoming show probably in the next few weeks uh you know uh tune in over the next few shows and we'll keep you posted but Get them on and talk a little bit about what's new this year for OHB and what we should expect and uh, and just kind of hang out and chat. All right. Well, hey, what's your email? My address? email address is justin at RCHellynation.com. I'm getting behind on emails. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to do better, but I like Facebook much more.
0: <laughs> uh, you can send me one at nick at rchelleynation uh, Dan, as always, love loves hearing from everyone. Dan at rchelleynation Events go to Deter. That's D E A, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. D yeah, yeah. D E A
0: T E R D E A T E R at rchelleynation uh, Ken running the store and the citizen card registration. That's Ken at RCHellynation.com. Well, everyone, this has been a Wait a minute, uh, dude. A did, good... you,
1: did you what? just forget Jesse?
0: Oh. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did, I dude. suppose. If you guys
1: wanted now, to get in touch with should. Jesse, you could send him an email at jesse at RCHellynation.com. Yeah, that's Or you could send Nick an email at nick at rchellynation.com telling him how mean it was that he just forgot Jesse's email. Yeah, maybe he won't listen. All right,
0: guys, this has been episode number 159. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. Uh, We'll see you next week. Have a good
1: one, guys. Get some flying in before the winter hits.
2: This has been a production of RC HeliNation LLC and is brought to you by KDE Direct, Soko Heli Tools, Progressive RC Blade Helicopters, BK Servos, RevoElectrics USA, and Rotary Wing RC. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.